Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. This week, we return to the Listener Library for a recommendation from our mysterious listener and generous Patreon supporter, Tim. He requests we listen to Battle of the Magicians from Lights Out. Promising some good, fun, old-time confusion. How can we say no to that? Lights Out was created by Willis Cooper in 1934 and broadcast Wednesday nights at midnight on Chicago-area NBC station WENR. At the time, Cooper was also the station's continuity chief, a full-time job in and of itself. The workload proved too much for Cooper, and in January of 1935, the station canceled Lights Out. W-E-N-R was deluged with letters from listeners demanding more lights out. Cooper and W-E-N-R obliged. The show's popularity led NBC to broadcast it nationally, beginning in April of 1935. Cooper stepped down as continuity chief to concentrate on writing. In addition to Lights Out, Cooper wrote for an adventure serial called Flying Time, the soap opera Betty and Bob, and served on NBC's program planning board. When Cooper left radio in 1936 to pursue a career in Hollywood, NBC hired writer-director Arch Obler to take his place. Over the course of the next two years, Obler wrote more than 100 scripts for Lights Out, many of them considered classics of the medium. In 1938, Obler departed the series to focus on his many other radio endeavors, including Arch Obler's plays, Everyman's Theater, and Plays for Americans. Unlike Cooper, Arch Obler returned to Lights Out many times during his career, usually when he needed some easy money. This is fortunate for fans because most of the surviving copies of the program come from these short-lived revival series from the mid to late 1940s. What's more, the later iterations of Lights Out also resurrected a number of Willis Cooper's lost early scripts for the series, including the play you're about to hear, Battle of the Magicians, originally broadcast as part of an NBC summer series, July 20th, 1946. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. The National Broadcasting Company presents Lights Out, a summer revival of some of the best stories in the series which many of our listeners will remember. Tonight's story, the fourth in the current series, is called The Battle of the Magicians. Lights out, everybody. This is the witching hour. It is the hour when dogs howl and evil is let loose on a sleeping world. Sit in the dark now and listen to Lights Out.
But, Mr. Saladin, is it true? True? What makes the thing true, Irene? Because you believe in it? Or because a million others believe in it? Or, I can tell you this. The Penal Code of Haiti contains a section promising death to any who create zombies. And if the sober lawmakers of the country believe enough of it to put it into their books of law, well, then... But it's impossible to raise the dead, Mr. Saladin. Impossible? I wonder... The folklore of every country is full of tales of bringing the dead back to life, bringing them back to serve the living. There are tales of vampires, ghosts, werewolves. But they're superstitions. Surely you don't... Who am I, my dear Irene, to say where truth ends and superstition begins? I'd like to know some more about zombies. I've told you all that is known of them. How they are living, yet not living, dead. How they are summoned from the grave by the black magic of some sorcerer. How they must do his bidding until he wearies of them. But must these poor dead people... Well, I mean, isn't there ever any rest for them? Can't they... Can they not die again? Yes, there is a way. Zombies eat, you know, even as human beings do. But only when they are fed. They will not seek food for themselves. And if they eat salt... If anything containing salt so much as passes a zombie's lips, then he must return forthwith to his grave. Oh, but Mr. Saladin... That's the tale, Irene. I do not make it up. But... Look you, these creatures of the darkness, these unholy beings of superstition, they must obey laws. Nature has its laws, so there are laws of the supernatural, immutable laws that all its creatures must obey, even as we creatures of nature must obey ours. You speak of superstition. But superstition is just belief. Ah, it is so. But we have been taught only in recent years to believe in certain things that science has learned. The germ theory of disease, for example. But that's true, Mr. Saladin. Perhaps, yes. I do not deny it. There's ample proof. There's also ample proof of the existence of supernatural beings. If one will take the trouble to look for it. Not proof. Proof indeed. But, hmm, it appears we have a visitor, Irene. Yes, sir. I'll see who it is, Mr. Saladin. Mr. Joseph Warner, president of Acme Airlines, Mr. Saladin. So? Show him in then, please. Yes, sir. Mr. Saladin, to see you, Mr. Warner. Thank you. Good morning to you, Mr. Warner. Yes, Saladin? Saladin, yes. You're some kind of detective. Some people have been, shall I say, kind enough to describe me as an investigator. I hear that you're good. Thank you. Won't you sit down? And so you have come to consult me about the recent wrecks of your airplanes, Mr. Warner. How did you... Oh, yes, the newspapers, of course. Well, that's right, Mr. Saladin. So? You read about that one yesterday? Yes. Fourteen killed, including the crew of three. Absolutely no explanation for it. Except what you know, Mr. Warner. Well, what? I said except what you know about it. What do you mean You by... would not have come to me, Mr. Warner, unless... Well, suppose you explain. I'd like to know how you knew that. It is my business, sir. Uh... Yes, Irene? The window washer, Mr. Saladin. Can he come through your office? Very well. One moment, Mr. Warner. 
Excuse me, please. I, I got to get the windows washed. Hmm. That is a job I would not like very well, I'm afraid, Mr. Warner. But to your business. You uh, received a warning, hmm? Uh, yes, I received it. How did you know that? I have some knowledge of the ways in which Dr. Ehrlich works, Mr. Warner. Ehrlich? That's, that's the name. I was rather certain. You may read the letter. It was a letter, I assume. Uh, yes. There were two of them. The first one a week ago. It said... This Dr. Ehrlich had need of $100,000, and the letter warned if I didn't come across, one of our ships would be wrecked. And you assume this was a, what does one say, a crank letter, and did nothing about it? That's right. We get a lot of fool letters. And because you took that attitude, 14 people are dead, horribly dead. Yes. You said there were two letters. Here's the other one. Mm-hmm. Today, the tornado. Take warning. And Alec's signature. The tornado was the name of the airplane that crashed. Yes, John Elliott was piloting it. The oldest, safest pilot on the line. I can't understand it. I can, Mr. Warner. You can. Tell me, when did you receive this letter? About five minutes before the flash came that the tornado had crashed. He timed it very well. Uh, yes, I... Did you make any effort to trace this letter? No, I... Well, there was so much excitement around the office, Of I... course. And so what do you wish me to do? I haven't given this to the police, Mr. Saladin. I, we, well, the publicity, you know. People would think it's easy to smash one of our airliners. You understand? Yes. You wish me to find Alec, to... What you do with him, Mr. Saladin, is no concern of mine, provided no more such things occur. Mr. Warnham, I knew Alec of old... His life is forfeit a thousand times over. But he, you yourselves have an old proverb. First catch your rabbit. You catch him, Saladin. It'll be worth your while. Yes. Yes, it will be very much worth my while, my friend. Can you get to work at once, Mr. Saladin? I, well, you can understand we're uh, upset. I understand. I promise nothing, Mr. Warner, except that I will try. No man may do more. Well, that's all that I can ask. You'll go after him, then? It is agreed. Good. Do you uh, have a cigar? What's this? Uh, Let me see that. Uh, Let me see it. How the devil did that get in my pocket? Ha. Huh. Read it yourself, Mr. Warner. Oh, yes. You have been very foolish to go to Saladin. Now your fate is sealed. I will destroy your airplanes one by one. And when the time comes, yourself. I have fought with Saladin before, as he well knows. This time is the last, Eric. So, my friend, you have brought upon yourself. He knows. How how could he? Down, down on the floor, quick! For Saladin, I think. But what? What? Our was, delightful what? friend, the window washer. I just caught sight of. Let us see what has happened. Good Lord, Saladin! Observe. Do you think that a crowd gathers in the street below? Morbid gazers on sudden death. 
12 o'clock, Mr. Saladin. Thank you, Irene. If you are ready. You... You won't hurt me, Mr. Saladin. I give you my word, Irene. I'm afraid. You need have no fear. No harm can come to you while I live. I do want to help you, Mr. Saladin. Only Listen to me one moment, Irene. Of 50 girls who applied for this position, I selected you. I've not told you why. No, I... I never could understand. It was for one reason, Irene. You have the little, oh, so very little, psychic spark that is lacking in all the other ones who came. You do not know it yourself, but Saladin knows. I must use you, but I shall not unless you consent wholeheartedly. I'll do it, Mr. Saladin. I trust you. You will not lose by it, my child. Look, then, we have a little time. Sit here. Sit comfortably. So. Now we begin. Look into the crystal. Look deep into it, my child. Say over and over to yourself. Early. 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 Seek out the soul of Eric the magician while he sleeps. Go and find him, Irene. Find Eric. Find Eric. Search deep in the crystal globe. Eric. 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 Who calls Eric? It is I, Saladin, that calls Eric. What do you want, Saladin? You will tell me where I shall find you, Eric. No. I shall not. You will tell, Eric. No. I am master of your soul that wanders now while your body sleeps, Eric. You will tell me where to find you. I will not. Tell me. No. No. Tell me. In the tower. In the tower. I will not tell more. You will, Alec. Tell me. In the tower, the highest tower of all. Ah. And where is it, this tower? I will not tell more. I will not. Tell, Alec. I will not. I will not tell. I say you shall, Alec. I will not tell. Beware. Your power wanes now, Saladin. Be sure you will not remember what you have told Alec when you awake. I will remember. By the five names I commanded, Alec, you will not remember. I will not remember. Alec. 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 Awake now, Erin. Awake, Irene. Awake. Are you all ready now, Mr. Saladin? Just sit quietly and rest, my child. So, Alec, I think perhaps we shall have a little talk together.
Hello, LeBlanc in trip five. Radio check, please. KCT to LeBlanc in trip five on the line. Okay. LeBlanc to KCT. How are you, Shorty? KCT to LeBlanc. Okay, Frenchy. Who's your pilot today? LeBlanc to KCT. I do not know yet. Charlie Butler is sick all of a sudden. That is what I wait for. KCT to LeBlanc. Better see your records are straight before you take off, Frenchy. LeBlanc to KCT. <laughs> that is not my business, Shorty, my friend. I am just co-pilot. I pull up the landing gear, I sometimes land. I just go along for the ride. KCT to LeBlanc. Okay, Frenchy. Jazz your motors when your pilot's ready. I'll check you off. That's all, KCT. Are you the co-pilot on huh? this trip? Oh, oh you, you scare me a little bit. Uh, yes, sir. You are a pilot? I am the pilot. Yes. We are ready to take off. We are ready long time. Uh, your papers are all right? The manifest is all right. Yes. I am uh, Francie Leblanc. Yes. Hmm. Well... Unlimited. Visibility unlimited. Temperature 44. Dew point 28. Barometer 29-90. Okay to take off. KCT to LeBlanc. Bye. LeBlanc to KCT. Merci, Shorty. I, I see you Thursday. LeBlanc to KCT. Bye. Happy landings, Frenchy. Tony, moi, monsieur, uh, you want to take off, eh? I will take off, yes. Oui, oui, voilà. Up gear. Up gear, sir. You have checked everything, LeBlanc. We oui, have checked everything. We are all right. Just long buggy ride. Ten passenger, mail, express. Right. How you like this plane, eh? All right. Excuse me, I, I do not think I catch your name, please. My name is Art. Edward Art. I am pleased to meet you, Monsieur Art. Uh, oh, you, you know what? I, I think I remember that name. There was pilot named Art that died two weeks ago on east end of the line. Is that so? Oui, it is so. He is a relative of you, monsieur? No, he is not relative. So? Uh, you like me to fly her a little while? No. I am pilot of this ship. I will do the flying. Ça va, monsieur. find me after all, Saladin. The very clever Saladin. <laughs> well, I think this time the very clever Saladin has had his last adventure, no? I do not believe you will win, Nelik. No? I do, my dear enemy. 
I have not time now to find how you learned where my laboratory is. But there is time enough for that. It is simple enough, Ellen. You talked in your sleep, you see. Uh, I remember now. I knew I had dreamed. But I forbade you to remember, Ellie. Yeah, well, one little victory. I've waited a long time for this, Saladin. Yes, and failed a great many times. I will not fail this time. What is written is written. <laughs> I should be interested in how you caused that airplane to crash yesterday, Alec. Yes. <laughs> it was so simple, Saladin. I am amazed at a man of your attainment. I think I know. Well... I shall show you very soon. You will not tell anyone about it, I think. I wonder. They they said there was no clue to the crash, Saladin. Yes. Would you like to know how? I think I know. Oh? Well. You too know something of black magic? I know a great deal of black magic, my friend. Shall I show you? I... Are, are you afraid of snakes, Saladin? No, Eric. Let us see. This bit of paper. Twist it. So. And you see it is but paper, Saladin. But now, look at it. A cobra. You are clever, Alec. But look now. Harmless paper again. <gasps> no. <laughs> I am not entirely powerless, Alec. Even though my hands are bound. How did you? I thought that only one man in the world... That's I am the man, Alec. Look at the paper closely again. I fear I underestimate. <laughs> you see? It really is the snake, Alec. Curse you! I'll have your heart for that. Perhaps. But perhaps you had better get to your zombies again. Zombies? How did you know? It is possible that I read your mind, Alec. So. Well, you have guessed it. I told that fool Warner that I would smash every one of his planes. Now, even now, he is about to lose another. So? And how do you propose to do it, may I ask? <laughs> read my mind, Saladin. You challenge me? Yes. Very well, then. I read this. A living dead man is at the controls of the ship you intend to destroy. <gasps> I do not know how you propose to control him. Ah, radio. <laughs> so he is to crash the ship full of passengers near an airport where all can see. I wonder... Saladin, until now I have regarded you as a meddler. A man foolishly staking his life against great odds. I am not so sure of the odds now. Saladin, you and I... No, Alec. Between you and me, there can be nothing but enmity. We are set apart to fight one another forever. Between us, we could rule the world. Tomorrow, Saladin. No, between us, there is always war. Well, so be it then. But look for no mercy from me. I will kill you as I would a rat, Saladin. Agreed, if you can. LeBlanc in 25. LeBlanc in 25. To Chicago. Special weather report, please. LeBlanc in 5. Bye for Chicago. So, the first contact. That is the ship, then? That is the ship, yes. Yeah. That did not sound like the voice of a 
zombie airlift. No. <laughs> that is Miller, the co-pilot. He does the bidding of my dead man. So, and now their little drama begins. Will you listen? It is your drama. Now. Quite so, my friend. I must get to work. Ehrlich, calling pilot up in trip five, Acme Airlines. Ehrlich, calling pilot up in trip five, Acme Airlines. Out in trip five, I hear you. Give your position. Five miles southeast of Chicago. Good. You will do as I tell you. I will do as you tell me. Who is speaking, please? What is enough from you? Be silent. Yes, sir, but... You are under pilot out's orders, LeBlanc. You will do as you are told. Oh, I do, Sacramento. Yes, sir, but... Yes, sir. Now, Art, when you arrive above the Chicago airport, you are to circle the field three times full motor. I am to circle the field three times full motor. And then when I give the word, you are to climb to 2,000 feet. I am to climb to 2,000 feet. And then I will tell you when. You will tell me when. And you will dive the ship full motor into the ground in the center of the field. I will dive the ship full motor into the center of the field. That is all. I know. Who is it that makes the... Silence him. Uh, oh. <laughs> you have thought of everything, Eric. <laughs> yes. This pilot, he died two weeks ago. I secured his body. You add grave robbery to your other crimes. But of course. I must have one that was a pilot. And he obeys without question, you see. So far, yes. But you have not won yet. I am close enough, Saladin. I wonder. Hut, report your position. Southwest of Chicago Airport. I can see the field. Good. You are ready? I am ready. Your co-pilot? He is here. He will not interfere. <laughs> report when you are over the field. I will report when I am over the field. Alec, what would you do if I told you, zombie, what to do? Art, you have to obey only Alec's commands. I will obey only Alec's commands. Do you mind if I talk to him? Go ahead and try. Leblanc? Leblanc? Who calls? Do you hear me, Leblanc? I hear you. Est-ce que vous avez un monsieur de serre? De serre, monsieur? De serre, oui. Peut-être, monsieur, mais pourquoi? Stop! What did you say to him, Saladin? I... You do not speak French, then, Ellie? I... Of course. Certainly. Then you know that I asked him merely if there was anything he could do. And he replied that he could not. Of course. I... But why did you... I'm afraid that you are about to win, Ellie. Ah, you admit it, then. I am sorry. It is too late now. It is too late, Saladin. I offered to join forces with you once. But now I am the master. Art reporting. I am over Chicago Airport now. Good. Begin your circle. I will begin my circles. Now, friend Saladin, we shall see. Perhaps we shall even hear the screams. The dying screams of the passengers in this doomed ship. It is a wonderful invention, this radio. True magic. Yes, it is true magic. You will tell me when you are ready, Eric. I will tell you. Make your circles. I am making a circle. Do they see you on the field below? Many people are coming out to watch. Good. 
We will give them a show. <laughs> we will give them a show. Leblanc. Leblanc. Oui, monsieur. <laughs> you may speak to him as you wish, Saladin. It is too late now, and he is powerless. Yes, I am afraid so, but... Leblanc, avez-vous des serres? Oui, monsieur. Il y a des petits grains ici de mon déjeuner, mais pourquoi... Écoutez, le pilote, c'est un loup garou. Ah, c'est vrai, monsieur, mais... Écoutez, mettez le sel sur ses lèvres. Dans sa bouche, comprenez? Vitement. <laughs> There is nothing you can do, Leblanc. Art, are you ready? I am ready. Vitement. Vitement, Leblanc. Here, Mr. Art, uh, taste a little of this salt. Salt? What have you... Listen. Take over, Mr. Leblanc. What? I take over. My work is done. Art! Art! Come back! Come back, I say. No. My work for you is done. I go now. I go home. Come back. Come back. Come back, I say. Monsieur, I wish you same time, monsieur. So, you did it, eh, Saladin? I did it, yes. So, well, you have beaten me again. But this time... It is too late, Eric. You think so? You do not know, Eric. I know that... There he is, Barry! Oh, you will not take care of the You are too late, gentlemen. I doubt that even Eric could survive a 40-story fall. Monsieur, where are you, monsieur? Where are you? I am here, Leblanc. What happened? Monsieur, when I did put the salt on his lips, as you tell me why she did say to me... Take over. Yes, we heard him. Is the plane all right? It is under control. I, I am circling. Where is Art? Where is the pilot? I do not know. He left his seat and went aft. A moment. Something is not right. Leblanc, what is it? It is the cabin door. Someone has opened it. Oh! Leblanc, what happened? Monsieur Art, the pilot, he jumped out. He is falling. He is going to land on the long runway. Oh. Leblanc. Is your plane still all right? Yes. I am all right. But I... I cannot land now. You you understand. I, I will circle until I contact the control tower. Of course, Leblanc. What is happening on the field? People are running out toward the... Oh, mon Dieu, I, I... Quick, Leblanc, what is it? I do not believe what my eyes see. That broken dead body on the runway. Every bone in it must be smashed, but... Yes, Leblanc. What is it? That body, monsieur. It is crawling toward the cemetery that stands beside the field. All right. You can turn them on now. You have just heard Lights Out. This was the fourth in the series of revivals of the best stories of this famous series. In tonight's cast, you heard Everett Clark as Saladin, Tony Parrish as Alec, Meg Hahn as Irene, Duke Watson as Mr. Warner, Boris Aplan as Ott, Nathan Davis as LeBlanc, and Ernest Andrews as the radio operator. India is the setting of our story next Saturday night. You'll hear how a British sahib, wise in the ways of the Orient, wreaks a terrible revenge on a Chicago gangster who has wronged him. Of course, if you don't want to be scared stiff, you can always listen to something else. But if you're around about this time next Saturday night, tune in. 
Lights Out is produced and directed by Albert Cruz. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. That was Battle of the Magicians from Lights Out here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. Speaking of Tim, that was from a generous Patreon supporter named Tim, and he wrote us kind of a more in-depth email about his suggestion uh, request, Joshua. Yeah, uh, Tim originally emailed us with three different requests entitled The Good, The Bad, The Joe Friday. (laughs) And The Good is an episode of Escape we have not yet listened to. The Joe Friday is the Dragnet episode we listened to last year, The Big Rule, and we enjoyed that quite a lot. And The Bad was Battle of the Magicians. And what he had to say about it is, there is a fine line between an infallible hero and jerkface, especially one who takes pleasure in defeating an idiot. Who knew Willis Cooper loved people falling from great heights so much? Oh, and zombies can't eat salt, in case you didn't know. (laughs) So I thought that was a pretty good uh, summary of the episode. And just to let you know what his point of view was in requesting this so a couple things first of all thanks everybody for listening tim's just wrapped it up very nicely so we don't have to discuss anything um after reading that email to me just now i am really relieved (laughs) that i am not going to make anybody angry um what yeah, I and and I was ho- you know when we go into these and I'm like, "Oh no, is this supposed to be some kind of what's wrong with you, Eric? This is a classic, one of the best, and I'm going to be in that situation again." And the reason I thought for this one, definitely that's going to be where this is going is because they say in this, we're doing the best of the best of lights out. <laughs> this is the best we've got. This is the best thing we've ever done. And so I was like, oh no, this is the best of the best. So I'm relieved that that is not the case. Well, I'm going to come right out and say that I called dibs on writing the new weird adventures of Mr. Saladin. (laughs) Because while this is not a work of genius, far, 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 far from Willis Cooper's best script, I really like the setup. I really like the strange magician. I actually like quite a number of scenes, and then it all goes completely off the rails. I mean, this is honestly the very best episode of Dark Fantasy I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) So that's great that you just said that, because that's what my notes were going into this of. There are so many things about this, this premise that I like. And so to be nice, what I wrote down was, there's not enough information. There's not enough backstory. There's not enough things to make this work. Do you get payoffs from the backstory company? <laughs> like every single episode needs more backstory from you. Are you a shill? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like, yeah, that pig wallowing in the mud. Why is that pig wallowing in the mud? <laughs> well, let me prove it this time. All Do right. we know why Ehrlich, I think his name is, Wanted to get the airline company so bad. No. Do we know? Yes, we the... do. He's getting them for money. He wants, I think, $10,000 or else he will crash one of their planes. Okay. <laughs> Second, we don't know the relationship between these two magicians. They're past. They're, and so it's impossible 
to root for or against anybody or have any investment in their conflict because we don't know their past. We don't have that history and that setup. I think it suggests that setup really well. I think that's one of the strong things it does. It taps into that Holmes and Moriarty trope. Mortal enemies who've been fighting for possibly thousands of years. I'm sure they've been reincarnated over and over again. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is backstory is the least of this script's weaknesses. <laughs> but it makes it, it makes it really hard to care about what's happening when I don't have any investment in the history between these two guys. I think it would be really hard to have Holmes and Moriarty, for example... We are introduced to that conflict in those no, stories. No, we're not. It happens in one story. Arthur Conan Doyle just wanted to get rid of Sherlock Holmes. There'd been no Moriarty in any Sherlock Holmes stories until his first appearance in The Final Problem. And then it was retroactively suggested that Holmes had been battling Moriarty the whole time. Maybe we should start this podcast over. I think the strength <laughs> of this is how well... The relationships are flushed out so that we know who to root for <laughs> and exactly what their motivations are and why they don't like each other. And uh, I think that's the strength of this. Here's, here's, here's my pitch. At the start of this episode, it sort of makes you the, the promise of here's what you're going to get. This is going to be weird and clunky and not make a lot of sense. And it delivered. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated that. I'm like, all right. So, yes, any criticism of this, I will not deny. But I had a really good time because it was zombies and fighting magicians. It basically told you, hey, if you feed the zombie salt, the resolution of this show is going to happen. What's going to happen? <laughs> and, and there, there was and a, a French guy whose name was almost exactly Frenchy McFrenchface. <laughs> <laughs> who was the co-pilot. <laughs> and that was important, too, because uh, this dark master of the arcane, Dr. Ehrlich, does not speak French and is too embarrassed to admit it. That's my favorite part, is, is when Saladin's like, I was just speaking French. I assume you understood it. And he's like, oh, Yes. Also for that, I was like, yay, my three years of high school French have put me ahead of this guy. <laughs> I know what's going on. It would have been a little stronger if it had been like Mandarin or Sanskrit. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of work. A little bit of a stretch than French. Uh, but yeah, it was glorious because I thought that Frenchy was just an old time radio shortcut. Like, ah, uh, time to differentiate the voices. But then it actually plays into the plot in an absurd, ridiculous way. <laughs> I want to point out that I just read ahead in my notes. I forgot I wrote this down. After I wrote down my thing about motivations and relationships uh, is lacking, making it difficult to connect and to root, I wrote in parentheses, I'm going to read it for you right here, Joshua's going to tell you you're wrong about this. <laughs> and Well, now you're making me feel bad. No, not feel bad. I just, I realized... At that moment, you knew this was going to happen all along. You are Saladin, and I am Ehrlich right now. I'm so embarrassed. I knew you were going to say you don't need it to understand it, so that's not the issue. To me, then, if that's my issue, what you guys are saying, what your issue is, is actually the strength for me, and that is, you give me a zombie flying an airplane, I'm in. <laughs> I love that. It's a great idea that 
Ehrlich uses the murder victims from his previous crime yeah. to commit the next crime. That's very Willis Cooper. A lot of the ideas are really strong. The execution is poor. I am a Cooper apologist, so that's part of the reason in my introduction I emphasized how many other jobs he had while he was writing these scripts. To sort of <laughs> give the guy an out that he was doing a lot of stuff when he was cranking out these lights out scripts. But yeah, this strikes me as a great idea that he spent an hour on. You nailed it, though, man. This is the best episode of Dark Fantasy ever. That's hilarious. <laughs> Scott Bishop would kill to write this good a script. I was also entertained by, this is a terrible metaphor, but like quilting together a blanket that at the end of it like looks like a net. Like this is barely held together with the thinnest of ideas. And they took the time for a conversation between an employer and employee that says, I really only hired you because you have the barest, thinnest spark of psychic ability and I need you desperately and I'm going to use you but don't worry, you can trust me completely. <laughs> but he did say, only if it's consensual, which somehow made it creepier. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. Like, that still probably wouldn't fly with HR, magic guy. <laughs> I want to know how he got 50 applicants for magician secretary. <laughs> that is a lot of people interested in that job. I know where that's coming from, Joshua. At the place where you work, where you can't get anybody to come in and work. I can't. I'm going to change the job description to magician secretary. <laughs> you should. And then they show up and be like, okay, so you're stocking shelves with cheese, yeah. but it's magical. <laughs> I'll be like, Tim, you already work here. You can't apply for magician secretary. <laughs> But I have the barest spark of psychic ability. <laughs> but at the same time, I want to point out that that's a great idea. Yeah. The Machiavellian magician who has done everything ahead of time to set all the pieces in motion, if it were better executed. Right. <laughs> There's also the great scene of exposition at the top that just gets out, like Tim already said, just everything you're going to need to know to know what's going to happen in this yeah. story. And at one point, I think uh, she actually says, I'd really like to know more about zombies. Like it's a zombie <laughs> infomercial. <laughs> Are you having a hard time with your zombies? Uh! <laughs> Someone explained to me, though, that scene. He hypnotizes her to contact the guy while he's sleeping, right? It was like he needed her to connect the phone line so that he could talk to the unconscious guy. Uh-huh. So there was like an open parentheses, you find him, he talks to him, and then like, you won't remember this. I will remember this. You won't remember this. I will remember this. You won't remember this. I won't remember this. Like a lovely little <laughs> comedy bit. That went on way too long. <laughs> and then they had to come back to her and close parentheses, the connection is severed. I don't understand how she was the conduit to do that. Because she has apparently psychic abilities that he lacks, and so he okay. hired her to use her like a piece of psychic garbage. <laughs> I really took the <laughs> subtext there to be, I'm going to tell you you have the tiny little spark of psychic ability, knowing full well you are a powerful psychic who could destroy us all with your mind. <laughs> right. So I'm going to make sure you just stay a secretary. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that next script is just writing itself here, fellas. <laughs> We're almost done. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of uh, spinoffs 
and directions to go with this as just a regular cereal of what's his name again? Sandini, Sardini, Saladin, Saladin, or as the guy calls him, Saladin. Why put that in there? Why mispronounce his name, uh, Mr. Saladin? It's Saladin. Okay. So right. anyway, <laughs> we often do that in this podcast where we don't ahead of time agree how we're going to pronounce names. Or so I can't be too hard on that. Also, all these little bits in it that I love, even though that collectively they're terrible. But the zombie, when he does eat the salt, is like, nope, I'm done. Like, it is that attitude. <laughs> like, uh, bye. I'm going, I'm going home and I need a glass of water. <laughs> salt. Yeah. And the French co pilot was just carrying salt on his person. <laughs> I just figured out why he's French. You need a French guy because they're always carrying around salt, those French. You never know when some terrible American food's going to show up and you have to salt it. I bet it was the salt at the bottom of one of those little bags of uh, airline peanuts that yep. they pass out. I totally thought that was what it was going to be. You just hear the foley of that wrapper shaking. Tick, 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 tick. Rip. It just didn't want Saladin to say in French, rub the nuts against his face. <laughs> <laughs> Here's another loophole. No salt can pass their lips, right? And they don't eat, but they need to be fed, so you have to feed them. They're like toddlers, basically. Right. <laughs> I can't think of anything that doesn't have salt in it. Most yeah. things have a degree of salt in it, and I don't mean just stuff we make. Like, think about that. Well, give them a carrot. That probably has salt in it. <laughs> it's probably added salt. Oh, I see. <laughs> it's a special low-sodium zombie <laughs> diet. I mean, I think salt was picked because it has uh, so much symbolism attached to it. Yeah. Like every religion in the world has some significance to salt, and then it also has this kind of bad luck connotation into it. It just seemed like the perfect generic way to ward something off with salt. That's another thing. I'm, just, I'm delighted by that idea that zombies will not feed themselves but will eat if given food like they're standing in a buffet just awkwardly waiting for someone to invite them sure smells good yeah but the but mm. and, but they can't dish their own up either you got to go through the buffet and put it on a plate and then hand it to them god so passive aggressive zombies ma'am you gonna need a booster seat for your zombie <laughs> Some crayons and a zombie menu. <laughs> I guess they'll have a uh, grilled cheese brains and uh, hold the salt. Uh, but at the same time, the image of a zombie like leaping out of a plane, landing broken <laughs> and crawling back toward the cemetery, which is convenient next to the landing strip. <laughs> yeah. That was the other one. Yo, in case there's a crash, that just makes things much easier. You just roll the bodies <laughs> right That's over. That's where the, the last cemetery. crash was. It just, like, That's it the, just buried them right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the last thing you want to see as you're coming in for a landing. <laughs> Is that a graveyard? <laughs> Does that graveyard say, welcome to Minneapolis? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh so th all of that is why i felt like this episode gave me a lot and oh, i know yeah. it wasn't quality but it was a lot and i really appreciate it i, I love how they reenacted the uh 
serpent scene from Exodus, <laughs> right? Did anyone oh, else yeah. think of that with the pharaohs, magicians versus Aaron in the big snake off? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about that. Nothing. I don't know what you're talking about. So no, I didn't catch that. But that, is that? In... It's a Bible story. Yeah, from Exodus. Wow. In Egypt. Ah, uh, I'm gonna go back and read Exodus. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> is there some radio adaptation of Exodus out there we can just? Sort of... Well, every there probably East, is. It's we're getting close to Easter, and I will tell you, I watch the big epics, those 1960s epics. Uh, Ten Commandments. Yeah. Ten Commandments, and I love uh, Ten Commandments. There's another one I can't remember the name, but they play them and they're eight hours long and oh, I love them so much. They're so goofy. But you won't read a book. No, <laughs> I will have a book read to me. If you could get Yul Brenner reading Exodus to you, that would be awesome. <laughs> Moses, Moses. <laughs> oh, I have Charlton Heston on vinyl uh, reading from the Old Testament, and it's pretty awesome. We've maybe like wandered from the, the topic. 1950s. Yes, we should get back on topic. No, we shouldn't. There's nothing. This is the beauty of a Cooper script, though. Like, even a ridiculous, absurd one, there's so much to talk about. Well, there's a lot of really good premises here. Again, it's got that dark fantasy quality where you could do 30 minutes on just a zombie flying an airplane and have a nice story. And where was the window washer hiding the Tommy gun? That was some serious gunfire. So here's my confusion about the window washer. When he came in, it's pretty obvious that's going to mean something. There's no reason to bring him in here. When the gunfire happens, I was like, what's going on? I had forgotten about the window washer, and I went, oh, cool, right. He's there to kill them. Got it. But then I got really confused, and I listened to this twice, and at that same time I got confused again. It made it sound to me like the window washer wasn't the guy that shot them. He was up there washing the windows and got in the way of the machine gun fire from somewhere else because he dies, right? He falls to his death. It's not very clear, but there's a brief line of dialogue from Saladin where he says, I saw the window washer out of the corner of my eye. Yeah. Score one for Saladin, which makes me think that he saw, because he says, get down before it happens. So it connected the gunfire to the window washer. Although I think it's hilarious if he was just in between he the was... gunfire and the airline president. Uh, and they're just like, eh. How did the window washer die then? Did he just slip? A machine gun like that has a serious kickback. Now you're <laughs> now you're just writing stuff in because they don't tell us, yeah, right? They don't tell us. See, that's what led me to go, wait a minute, was he just minding his own business washing a window and then just got mowed down by a an eagle with a... <laughs> <laughs> that was coming by with a machine gun. Window washer might have been a zombie, and oh. uh, someone might have fed him salt out there. <laughs> he was washing the windows with salt. Yes, some fell into his mouth. That's actually a recreation of that story from Romans, <laughs> where they were washing windows with salt and they all died. There's a great tiny small detail in the Last Supper painting, uh, speaking of (laughs) salt and Christianity, uh, because obviously knocking over salt is bad luck, but at uh, Judas's elbow is a knocked over thing of salt. You're kidding. Like foreshadowing that he's about to break bad. And that he's just a klutz. (laughs) Is that true? Look at the painting, just right at his elbow. There's a little knocked over salt container. I'm going to be so mad at you if this is a lie. (laughs) I'm going to be mad at myself if I made it up and (laughs) don't remember doing it. Because I assume it's like one of those happy shelf kind of big white salt shaker things. Right. 
I don't know why I assume Happy Chef is the platonic model of salt shaker. But... <laughs> uh, we should wrap this up or we'll keep talking forever about this ridiculous episode. That whole thing with the salt shaker is like a Da Vinci Code thing going on with me. Is that a Feminacci code? What is that called? A... <laughs> Feminacci? There's a... The codes. I can't remember the name of the codes. Oh, you're not going to edit this out. You're going to let me... <laughs> Jody struggle. loves Feminacci. Is that a Instagram? <laughs> well, I'm going to look that up while Tim's talking. All right. Hold on. I was trying to Google the Last Supper painting, but I was like, Jesus portrait. No, that's not it. <laughs> well, let's vote. Joshua, you get to start. This is obviously not a classic. It barely stands the test of time. <laughs> I mean, it arguably doesn't if you're supposed to take it too seriously. Uh, but I think it stands the test of time in that it is still damn entertaining, not in the way I think Cooper intended it at the time. I also think there is an element to the performances that are intentionally heightening the corniness of it. I've heard other episodes from this revival run. We've heard them. Uh, the mm -hmm. Signalman one is from here. And the acting styles used in this script are very different. I wonder if the actors themselves are trying to channel the 1930s style of over-the-top horror acting, like witch's tale type performances. Because this script, by the time it's being done in 1946, is over 10 years old. So it was a dated script then. Um, because I think there are moments in the script that made me laugh that aren't Willis Cooper's fault. It's the way the people are performing it. <laughs> but I'll stop apologizing for Willis Cooper and just say, not a classic, doesn't stand the test of time. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I've listened to this maybe five times now uh, since I first discovered it, and it delights me every time. Tim? Yeah, I, I think that's exactly it. Is uh, I really enjoyed this because of how much it does not stand the test of time. It seems like a parody, but that's a lot of rewriting history, I think, to call this a parody. It's not. Yeah. It's not. <laughs> um, even in his worst stuff, Willis Cooper can't help but create compelling ideas, even if it's not well put together. Like, every beat of this is stuck in my head now <laughs> in a way that delights me. Yeah, as I was saying earlier, I, nothing about this particularly made me angry. It wasn't like a dark fantasy where I was like, oh, God, can this just end? I was confused. And like I said, it was hard to be invested for me in any of the outcomes just because I didn't know history or it wasn't established for me enough to care one way or the other what happened. But there's so much here that is quite lovely in the sense of bringing back dead people to commit these crimes and control them. And two magicians <laughs> who hate each other that are out to kill each other. And yeah, the French guy was confusing until he realized, well, yeah, that's how he, he gets through to him. So I, I'm not going to call it a classic, nor does it stand the test of time for a lot of reasons. But I will say, I like it. <laughs> I did. I enjoyed it. Uh, but it could have used an extra set of eyes on the script. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a full pair of eyes. Right, right. <laughs> By the way, it's Fibonacci coding in mathematics and computing. It's a big thing in Da Vinci Code, Fibonacci coding. Anyway, I While we're making confessions, uh, I did look up, and yes, there is indeed a salt shaker that is spilled on the table by Judas's elbow. Bum, bum. <laughs> well played, Da Vinci. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tim, tell him stuff. 
please go visit ghoulishdelights.com, home of this podcast. Uh, you can find other episodes there. You can leave comments. You can vote in polls. You can let us know what you think. You can send us a message. If you have some truly bizarre, ridiculous episode you want us to listen to, send us a message, and we will get to it eventually. Uh, and you can also link to our social media pages and chat with other people who listen to this sort of thing. You can also go to patreon.com slash the morals and support this podcast. Tim does. Um, not our Tim. Cool Tim. Patreon hey. Tim. <laughs> he supports this podcast. We have all sorts of great stuff there. Bonus podcasts. We do monthly Zoom happy hours with our patrons and just hang out and talk about, you guessed it, old time radio. It's great fun. Uh, so please check it out. You can also go to iTunes and write a review. That is free. It costs you nothing but means a lot to us. Aw. Thank you for doing it in advance because I know you're going to. The Mysterious Old Radio Listing Society also performs on stage as we do recreations and adaptations of classic radio dramas, and we also do a lot of original radio drama work. We do that right now with Park Square Theater, which is in St. Paul, Minnesota. We perform there monthly. Um, right now, during this uh, restrictive time, is it is April or so March, April of 2021, whenever Joshua edits this and gets this out, um, you buy a ticket by going to parksquaretheater.org and you will join us and watch our performances online, but we will soon be getting back on stage as well. But please come see us in one way, shape, or form or another, perform old time radio adaptations of classics and original work. Once again, go to parksquaretheater.org. You can also go to ghoulishdelights.com or the mysterious old radio listening society.com. Any of those websites has information on everything we're talking about, at least links to get there, plus links to other stuff you don't want to look at. All right. That's not true at all. <laughs> Tim, hurry, put up some bad links. Some random links. <laughs> so, yeah, what's coming up next, sir? Coming up next is uh, the Cheesecake Murder Case from the series Philo Vance. Until then. I'd like to know some more about zombies. No. I work for you. It's done. I go home. Are you having a hard time with your zombies? Ah! (laughs) 